0: to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. I'm super excited for today's podcast because we're going to be tackling a topic that I think a lot of listeners can benefit from digging into, which is um, understanding a CMO's view on how to master service marketing. So as um, companies move you know, more toward uh, advanced services, outcomes-based services, as some of our manufacturing listeners move um, towards servitizing their businesses, it's becoming more and more important to rethink um, marketing strategies, or in some cases develop you know, new marketing strategies to be effective at marketing those new service offerings. So I'm excited to welcome to the podcast today, Jennifer Deutsch, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Park Place Technologies. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Sarah. It's great to be here with you today.
0: We are excited to have you. OK, so so to get started, Jennifer, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background, your role, uh, and just make sure you, you tell folks a little bit about Park Place.
1: Sure. So um, just to kick things off, Park Place Technologies, is the world's largest TPM, third-party maintenance provider for data centers, but we're much more than that. We've been very acquisitive over the last three years. We've had uh, 16 acquisitions, which has taken us way beyond uh, TPM. Uh, We're now in the software business. We have uh, actually an entire portfolio of products that includes Intuity, Uh, which is network analytics and Parkview, which includes discovery, hardware monitoring and much more. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about that later, but a bit about me. um, I have a long history of marketing. I've been in marketing for the last 38 years. I have marketed food, hotel brands like uh, Marriott and Ritz Carlton, Renaissance Hotels and Resorts. I even did a stint on branding Bulgari um, Hotels and Resorts. I worked for Nestle where I launched Lean Cuisine globally. I worked on also Nestle ice cream. I ran an advertising agency for 10 years. Uh, That was also very interesting because I worked on businesses, anything from industrial vibrators, which was pretty fascinating, to GE light bulbs, uh, Sherwin-Williams paint, did work in the retail space, did an awful lot in the healthcare space, we focused on hospital systems, so that gave me a really interesting background on lots of different categories. I've also had global experience, so I've had a, a great opportunity to prepare for my role at Park Place Technologies.
0: Absolutely, that's um, sounds like they're very lucky to have you and have uh, all of that experience. I think, you know, Jennifer, some of. Um, what what our listeners grapple a bit with is um, you know there there's companies um, that I, I would say are, are similar to Park Place in the sense of um, really expanding core offerings, right? So the same way you said that you've um, acquired these different companies and you've really um, you know expanded the uh, capabilities of the organization and therefore the services you provide to to customers. Um, A lot of our listeners are in that process, whether that's through acquisition or just through the exploration and addition of of different services. And then, um, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, the folks within our audience that are in the manufacturing sector, a lot of those are are really focusing on... Moving away from the the habit and the the process and the skills that it takes to market products and and you know learning how to better market uh, services. So, I think your insights are going to be um, really helpful on both fronts. So, um, we'll dig in by by kind of starting. If you had to summarize Park Place's approach to marketing its services, how would you how would you describe
1: that? I would say that. You know, we lead through innovation. Um, I would say that we're an organization and also a marketing department that's fearless in our innovation. And through innovation, we've been able to change the dynamics of our brand, our products, but also the category. So we work hard to position Park Place as a thought leader and an innovator. And we do that on lots of different fronts. So we use lots of different marketing tactics to do that from analyst relations to public relations to truly innovating new products, innovating claims, et cetera. And I can talk a little bit about that later. But innovation helps differentiate your product from the competition, helping to set you apart. Because at the end of the day, customers wanna know what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Why did I buy your product or service versus somebody else's? So if you can add features and benefits that go beyond price like innovation that helps differentiate your product and brand, I think that's key. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess I can say that there are some recent examples of innovation in our category, which quite frankly, has left our competitors flat footed. So, and some of these things take a while. So uh, about two weeks ago, we introduced something called the first time fix guarantee because in our business, it's all about uptime. Mm Not only uptime up is actually our brand promise, we promise to drive uptime, because if you're running a data center, it must be up mm-hmm. So to offer the first time fixed guarantee, we um, are really putting our money where that the first time we are going to fix it, and the guarantee means that if we don't fix it, we're actually going to service that piece of equipment for a month. So there's a penalty for us. That was such an innovation, that is such an innovation for the category. It took three years for us to get it together, to make sure that we could actually fix things truly. Right, deliver
0: on that claim.
1: Exactly, Uh, so it was three years in the making. Mm -hmm. Another example is when we grew beyond uh, Pure Play TPM and we were bringing to the market discovery products, marketing products, and products to help uh, organizations optimize, we knew that we had to create and invent a new category. And we did that. Um, And we launched a category uh, in December called DMSO, Discover, Monitor, Support, and Optimize. And that was two and a half years in the making. And quite frankly, you know, these ideas come from listening to your customers, Mm -hmm. listening to their pain points and hearing opportunities. Also, you know, you must innovate because if you don't innovate, you die, you lose your relevancy. Mm-hmm. So, so for us, could we have continued and been a, an organization that's simply focused on TPM? Absolutely. Um, but we have a dual brand promise. It's not only uptime, it's also future-proofing our customers so that we're, we're staying ahead of the customers. We're staying ahead of the puck to bring innovation. So I think it's important for marketers to have a roadmap for innovation, Um, not only new product development, but claims and features, all of that takes time. So you've gotta have essentially a portfolio of what you're gonna be bringing to the market. So Mm -hmm. if you think about it, the first time fixed guarantee took three and a half years. DMSO took two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Um, There are lots of other pieces and and parts, Um, but you've gotta have short tail, mid and long tail tactics to keep your brand fresh. The other thing for us is, is to clearly communicate features and benefits simply. As Aristotle said, um, the real genius is simplicity. So when you take a look at our tagline, all about uptime, it's a very simple tagline, which quite frankly, delivers a message, what Mm -hmm. we're on. And we're using one of the most impactful, important words in our category, which is uptime. We drive uptime, mm-hmm. and it's important that when you have new products or you have new features, that it's easy to understand. That the messaging is simple, um, and that immediately customers understand what it is that you're launching. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, very good, and and I want to go back to a couple points. I, I especially like how you gave the example of the time that it took to bring um, the first time fixed guarantee to life in terms of messaging. So it was in the works for three years before you went public facing. I think a lot of our listeners have innovation in the works. Um, I think that that generally speaking, you know, there there's different degrees, I suppose, and and different struggles along the way, but I think, You know, many of them are working hard at innovating. I think, though, that um, one of the things that's lacking is the articulation of that new value proposition in a way that really resonates with the customers. You know, I've had countless people say, you know, we invested in in an IoT solution so that we could, you know, monitor our our, um, customers' assets in real time, and, and none of them want to buy it. Right. And, and so it's it's because they're they're selling on the innovation, not the value of that innovation. So that's- I think that's one of the biggest struggles. So it is, I think, important for our listeners to hear you say some of the things that you're working on now, um, you know, I think for a lot of, of the folks within our um you know, our audience that could be, you know, their remote service strategy or their, you know, migration toward predictive analytics and things like that. Those things that you're working on now, you need to be thinking now what the message will be in in a year or two years or three years when you bring that to fruition. Um, but the other thing I was hoping you could just expand on a bit is, um, you know, the advice you have on how to articulate that value in, the language that is going to have the greatest impact um, for customers.
1: Yeah, you bring up a really great point, but I'll also say it also works in the reverse. So you may have product innovation, but from a marketer's perspective, we want to make, we might want to make a claim. So, for example, we did claim research where we threw a whole bunch of claims out, things that we could put a, a stake in the ground and had customers respond and react. So three and a half years ago, we tested the first time fix. We did not have a solution for it. What we then had to do is develop the technology so we could actually launch the claim Mm -hmm. and make the guarantee. So sometimes it starts with the product. Sometimes it starts with the idea. We actually had a product Parkview that was in in the works. So literally we could make the guarantee once we had enough of our customers that had actually installed part view mm-hmm. so end of the day you can you know you can start with an idea and then work backwards or you can have the product but the most important aspect is to take the proof points and explain to the customer what the benefits are mm-hmm. how will this help you and by the way if a product sits on the shelf and um isn't really gaining traction sometimes there are trends or things that happen in the environment that may actually help you to accelerate your product. And I must say the pandemic helped us with Parkview because remote monitoring became a necessity during a pandemic when people yeah. could go into their, into their data centers. So you have to be able to also very quickly respond. I've given some examples of things that took two and a half years, three and a half years, et cetera. But you also must be able to respond to trends, respond immediately to needs and, and be very quick on your feet. But at the end of the day, to be able to very simply explain the benefits mm-hmm. to the customer is the real the real beauty in communicating and in marketing, very simply, very quickly, and if you can do it in an arresting way, so you have a headline that catches somebody, so that they proceed to read more and learn more, then you have then you have a winner. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, and I, I love what you said about it can start as an idea as well. Um, and and I want to come back to uh, to talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Um, before we do that, there, there's a couple things um, that I want to have you speak on. The first is something that, that you mentioned to me when we spoke before called a brand activator. Um, and you talked about the importance of a brand activator. So explain what that is and how it works and um, any advice you have on developing brand activators.
1: Sure. So um, a brand activator is a tactic that brings the brand to life. So when you think about a brand and the personality of the brand, and you've gone through your branding exercise, at the end of the day, you need proof points so that you can say, yes, that is my brand. And so I think a great example might be the Ritz-Carlton. So the Ritz-Carlton is known as the ultimate in luxury. Um, you know, their their credo was ladies ladies and gentlemen you know the, the message there is, is the staff are ladies and gentlemen they're genteel folks who are ser- serving connoisseurs of consumption right someone who stays at the ritz carlton um a room is a room is a room right for 79 dollars at um the red roof inn or 779 dollars at the ritz carlton it's four walls got a bed what is the difference So the Ritz-Carlton brand um, is a brand that caters to connoisseurs of consumption, consumption. people who want to be recognized, people who want the best of the best. So brand activators, which are very easy to understand for a brand like Ritz-Carlton would be that in the brand guidelines, and by the way, I developed the brand guidelines for the Ritz-Carlton, there are no fake flowers at Ritz-Carlton. All flowers are real and they're fragrant because when someone walks into a Ritz-Carlton they should be able to tell with all of their senses that they're at the Ritz-Carlton. So it's what they see, what they smell and what they touch. So it's fine silks for the furniture, fresh flowers, like a stargazer, um, lily, et cetera. And when they're greeted by the staff, there's a language guide. So very often someone at the Ritz-Carlton will say, my pleasure. Um, Staff is different at the Ritz-Carlton than it is at another Marriott brand. let's say Renaissance hotels. So people are screened for their service orientation. So I think it's easy to be able to identify and source brand activators for a brand like the Ritz Carlton, everything from their blue water glasses to dress code, et cetera. So at a technology company like Park Place, a brand activator might be a little more difficult to define. Um, And I would say that we had to invent them Mm -hmm. So some brand activators for us would actually include our client advisory board. So we've got 36 customers who are on our advisory board and we touch base with them. We provide them the opportunity to beta test new products. We listen to them. We understand what's going on in their environment. We provide them with the opportunity to surface topics that they want to talk about, et cetera. We have a huge e-service e-services initiative that Nickel has really been spearheading Um, and included in that is is that we are the first to bring a mobile app to the marketplace. We have live chat on our portal. We conduct business um, in real time in 170 different languages. We actually also have Um, what we call PPT tracker. And so that's like a pizza tracker. So you can track your pizza from Pizza Hut. You can actually track your parts and your engineer from Park Place. So you know when the part will arrive and the engineer will arrive. The first time fix guarantee actually also is a brand activator. Other things um, that we do, we have an end of service library. And so it's not just that we keep the information to ourselves, we push it out to all of our customers. Because if they have something in their infrastructure that will become end of service life, they should know and we can help them. So those are tactics that bring the brand to life for us as a brand that positions ourselves as all about uptime, that we're driving uptime, and that we're helping our customers to future-proof
0: hmm Okay. I love those examples. And I think that, that talking about the Ritz-Carlton example first helped because it's, it, like you said, it is very easy to, um, visualize. Uh, and, and so you're right that it, it's, it's a little more challenging, um, for a marketer like yourself as you, as you come into this world. But, um, you know, I think that, um, a long, long time ago now we had, um, Joe Pine on the podcast, who wrote the book *The Experience Economy*, you know, and I think that it, it's it's similar to to that thinking in terms of what are the things we can do, big to small, that differentiate the experience we can provide our customers from the experience our competitors are providing, you know, and and thinking about how to bring that to life. Um, so that's uh, that's really good advice. Um,
1: let's talk. Go ahead. Jump in, Sarah, and say that I think that if you really want to make an impact in the category, you should own the best customer experience. Mm-hmm. And that's something that drives us. Something that Nicola's working on, we all work on it, that that is a core differentiator, that our customer has the best experience given the competitive set. Mm-hmm. And everything, again, from the cap to first-time fits to all the e-services that we provide, um, you know, from billing options, et cetera, but the entire experience should be the best.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I want to talk next a little bit about um, taglines. So you said yours is uptime all the time?
1: All about uptime.
0: All about uptime, okay. Um, and um, very intuitive to me and why, why that matters so much to to your customer base um, and, and I like it. Um, what is your advice for listeners on developing a tagline that grabs the attention of, of customers?
1: Well, I think first, you know, when someone is thinking about a tagline, a, a new campaign, et cetera, you need to start by listening to your customers, understand mm-hmm. their pain points, what are they struggling with, understand keywords, etc. cetera. But what's really important, um, aside from getting insights and input from customers, is creating a message that's very short, very simple, very easy to understand. It's arresting. The line should be evergreen. It should be able to last. It should be memorable. It should be short, and it should be easy to understand and easy to play back and ownable. So, you know, if you if you think about um, if you think about a line, just do it um, from Nike, mm-hmm. just do it from Nike means the freedom to perform, right? So in those shoes, you can do anything. You can jump higher. You can run faster with us all about uptime. We do everything to make sure that your data center is up, And mm-hmm. it's more than just the data center. Now it's your infrastructure. We do network analytics to make sure that your VPN tunnels are open, that you know how to give your users, your customers, if you're in it, the best experience possible. As the workforce is bifurcated, some people in the office, a lot of people are at home right now. Um, making sure that people have access to a VPN that they can use and is open is extremely important.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: I mean, getting back to the getting back to the tagline, that's a lot that I just said. It should be lasting. It should be memorable. It should be short. In other words, your 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 tagline really should not be more than more than five words. Mm-hmm. Should be easy to understand so that somebody gets it. All about uptime is pretty easy to mm-hmm. understand. Just do it. Quite frankly, makes you think of a lot of different things, um, and your performance. But it must be ownable, and it must be easy to be easy to play back and easy to read. And those are a lot of the same criteria, quite frankly, that you evaluate as you're looking at logos. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: that makes sense. Um, and. I think, um, I, I love all about uptime. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, uh, great work um, and, and really, really well done, very relevant for, for the industry. Um, I wanna talk about a couple more things before we come back to, um, I wanna ask you a question around the, the customer advisory board. So let's talk next, and, and you mentioned earlier um, that the key to much of this is simplicity, okay? Right. Um, and I think that there can be this tendency, particularly in a company, not, not only, but particularly in a company evolving away from products, um, to maybe be too detailed, you know, too, um, verbose and, and, you know, thinking that the more we explain upfront, the greater our chances of, of getting the attention of our customers um so if you could maybe just talk a little bit about why the opposite of that is actually more effective and and if you have you know an example of of how to take um you know a more complex offering and and you know summarize it down to something very simple um but how you can kind of leverage that simplicity to capture enough attention to talk about some of the
1: details so, I think simplification is so important because, um, well, for a number of reasons, people have shorter attention spans than ever. Space is limited, the way that we're consuming messaging, whether it's um, a social media post, et cetera. So you can't have a lot of words. But also, you know, people you need to work find a few words that really communicate your message. So, when I first got to um, to Park Place, one of the things that was very interesting to me is, is that our engineers have 15 years of OEM experience. Then we train them to be able to essentially fix all the all the different models that are out there, all the OEM product, et cetera. And so they can fix anything, but how do you say that in, you know, in shorthand? So we came up with the line: been there, fix that. That's the headline. You read that headline, you have confidence that Park Place with 22,000 customers in 154 countries probably has seen it before, knows how to fix it. Mm-hmm. The headline is arresting, and it draws you into the body copy so that you can then receive and read the proof points so that you know that the headline is true. hmm But if you don't have an arresting headline, you're not getting the reader to read the rest, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I think that briefer is better. And as I said earlier, Aristotle said the real genius is taking the complex and making it simple. Uh, I have another example, and that is, is that the entire infrastructure scenario is very complex. And I'm a marketer that came from the food industry and the hotel industry really into the tech space. So I needed to make things easy for me to understand. So when environments are really cluttered and they're complex and we have a product that simplifies things, what does that mean? So we came up with the line from chaos to order and we actually created an infographic that showed chaos and then streamlined. Mm-hmm. And that was the line that we used to introduce Intuity Network Analytics. Because if you have the analytics, you can take your chaos and turn it into order.
0: Um, one of the one of the thoughts I just had, um, and and you know certainly I, I don't want to um, speak out of turn or or paint the picture that you know we don't have any listeners that are doing a good job um, at marketing. I mean, you guys are doing a great job, which is is why I asked you to to come on. Um, and there are others as well, but but I do think the point you just made about coming into this space, having been, you know, marketing for, for food and beverage or hotels or, you know, different consumer things, um, it does make me want to pause and point out to our listeners that if you're really looking to innovate around the way that you're marketing, it may be worth looking to get some outside perspective. I think there can be a real thing of being too close to what you've always done or too close to those details. And that need you had to simplify the messaging in a way that you could understand it coming from from the outside in, um, I think is what helps make it so catchy for all of your customers to, to understand it. You know, I just, I think about, if you think about the different personas within your customer base, of course, there are technical people that, you know, would understand all of this complex message, but there's also, you know, business leaders, business owners that don't care about all of those specifics. They want to know that they can come to Park Place for uptime. You know, those, those are the, the, it's the synopsis of what matters to them. So I think that, um, what, what you just said, just, just made me think about the fact that, you know, for some of our listeners that are struggling with, with marketing in a new or different way, you know, the, the benefit of some outside perspective, you know, might be worth, um, considering.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I, I was also in banking for a while, and marketing is marketing. If you learn the industry and you put mm-hmm. some filters and lenses on them, it, it works. The other thing that I will share with you is, is that if you can draw somebody in with a short, concise, easy to understand headline, etc., cetera, <laughs> um, then you have the ability to explain more to them. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll give you an example. When we debuted All About Uptime, we did it at Gartner and we had a big booth. And the the banner up on top was all about uptime. And people were streaming over to our booth. And I said, Well, you know, what drew you here? And they said the word uptime, because Mm -hmm. that's what drives us. So when you can, you know, I don't, it's not stumbling upon it because it really is research. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to make things simple. It's much easier to describe a concept in 25 words than to describe it in five words.
0: Absolutely. Um, Talk a little bit about with the different messages you've developed um, for the different services you provide for the company tagline, um, all of those things. Talk about how you you A, B test um, some different options to find what's going to resonate
1: best. Long, long ago, you would AB test in controlled environments and it was expensive. Today with digital, it's very easy to AB test. You just simply run two campaigns and see which one um, tests better Mm -hmm. and you can change your variables in real time. And that's what the digital environment has provided to us. So you can analyze your data. Um, Again, it's very easy with digital. We've got some um, technology that we employ from Sigster to um, a Drift chat bot and we can change things immediately and see if there's lift. Because for us at the end of the day, it's all about getting the lead. Mm-hmm. And if we get the lead, then we're winning and we have a we have a very high conversion rate. So A-B, A-B testing today is easier and mo- more cost effective than it's ever been because of the digital environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, all about uptime, um, what, what was an, what was an alternative that you tested out? I know I'm putting you on the spot
1: um, you know we had we actually had three campaigns and one of them was focused on um, one of them was literally focused on the hardware showing the hardware mm-hmm. and it was so when, when you develop an ad when you develop creative there are really two parts there's the design and the graphic and then there are the words. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can change them around to make things better, to make it more impactful because all the the sight um, oh. of, the, of the visual and also the words need to be impactful. The truth of the matter is, is that all about uptime was so overwhelmingly positive that concepts two and three didn't make it. Yeah. The other truth to the matter is, is that when you find other concepts that are actually strong, you keep them. Mm-hmm. Very often, you'll swap it out, um, let's say, swap, it, swap out a tagline in four to five years, et cetera, or if it starts to get stale, or if you get negative feedback. Mm-hmm. That, that hasn't been the case with us. Um, and if you do come across something that is very positive, it lasts a very long time, and you're building equity. hmm in your tagline, in your logo for your brand. So it all ladders up to be positive because in addition to driving leads, we are also as marketers very, very focused on driving brand awareness. Mm -hmm. If you don't have brand awareness, um, you're really challenged and Mm -hmm. able to drive Park Place brand awareness tremendously over the last three and a half years.
0: Okay. Um, how long have you been at Park Place I, I you may have said it at the beginning and, and I didn't um, I didn't catch it if you
1: did So I'm coming up on my fourth anniversary okay
0: um, so I want to I want to talk a little bit about your customer advisory board um, because I think if there's if there's a general theme that that I think is is really important um, in in every, answer you've given during our conversation so far, it's really that you need to be speaking the language of your customers. You have to know what that uptime term is to them, and you need to be developing around what is going to draw them over to your booth in droves and, and make them line up to want to see what the heck you're talking about. Um, so tell us a little bit about the the customer advisory board. You, you mentioned... Um, that that you have it i'm curious um what other functions within park place engage in that group um you know do you have your your own just for marketing is there involvement on on the product side etc how frequently are you engaging with them um because again not to make too many assumptions but i think that that might be another missing connection point for some of the folks that are having challenges in this is that while they may be gathering customer feedback in different ad hoc ways or not, I don't know that there's that sort of concerted effort to really dig deep, understand the challenges, understand um, their businesses enough to identify that language that's going to have the biggest impact.
1: So um, I am an insights driven, uh, customer driven marketer because I, I'm a focus group of one. So my opinion is one individual. Mm-hmm. I, I must talk to customers and have a very, very deep understanding of what they face, what their environment is like, and what they need. That's the greatest inspiration for me personally as a marketer. Our customer advisory board is made up of, as I said, 36 customers who have varying titles from CIO, data center manager and everything in between. So it's great because we get a diversity of thoughts and opinions. Um, From our side, from the Park Place Technology side, the Chief Revenue Officer participates, the COO participates in it, our CIO participates, our CISO um, participates, and Nicola participates. In fact, she drives quite a bit of it, as does the SVP of, Parkview and Intuity. So it's the senior leadership team, because we all need to be hearing the same thing from our customers. We might be hearing the same thing from our customers, but interpreting it differently, but also working on our end on how to improve the customer experience, how to evolve our roadmap, and then how to develop our messaging. And I will tell you, and I hate to say this, but when we have our client advisory meetings, which is on a quarterly basis, the our, the our participants actually, I think, have the most fun with the marketing section where they can be creative. They love mm-hmm. it. They love when we ask them to evaluate creative. Separately, I send invitations out to our CAB members to participate in focus groups, where we'll be chatting about um, anything from what are your plans for the edge to, um, can you take a look at these wireframes from our new website? Just wanna understand whether uh, the organization is right and intuitive to you. So we have a a huge cross section from Park Place participating. We meet on a quarterly basis, but I do reach out probably once a quarter for focus groups and we have Mm -hmm. them at different times. And by the way, our cab is global. So we have people from the UK, from Ireland, Um, We have our first member from Singapore. It's going to be joining us in June. Um, All the CAB meetings have been in person until um, the pandemic. And now they've been virtual for the last year. And
0: I assume you're looking forward to getting back to in person.
1: I am. And in fact, yeah. we have the next cab meeting June 24th. I had a couple of cab members tell me that they've been fully vaccinated and they're hoping that they can come to uh, to Cleveland to park place to have the cab session in person, mm-hmm. so get an optional in-person or virtual.
0: That's great. Um, so I th- I think this is another super important point. I mean, the, the things that you're talking about, you know, how do you take the complex and make it simple? How do you create a tagline that resonates? It To your point throughout your answers, it all starts with understanding the, the voice, the language, the needs of your customers. And I think that um, having that, that regular communication, having that open dialogue um, is, is critical and, and perhaps something that, that other folks aren't doing enough of. Um, I have to just guess that the first time fix um, concept came from customers, right? I mean-
1: Actually it didn't. No? No, I'll I'll tell you the evolution. So claim generation is an art Mm -hmm. and I learned claim generation when I was working in the um, health and wellness sector, specifically for hospital systems. Because if you can make a claim about a condition. So if you can cure someone and you can claim it, that your cure rate is higher, you win. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you say that you're curing cancer every day, which was a line that we came up with for university hospitals in Cleveland, people are coming to you because you say you're curing cancer, but you have to be able to justify the claim. Right. So when I first got to Park Place, I wanted to do some claim testing. And so we did ask customers if we could make a claim, what type of claim would you want? And so we generated um, claims internally and then presented all of those claims, I'd say about 15 of them. And the claim that bubbled up to the top was that we could fix it the first time Mm -hmm. and guarantee it. It was so strong that when we spoke to customers who were not our customers, but they were prospects, they said that if we could make the first time fix guarantee, if we could support it, they would switch Mm -hmm. to Park Place. So it then became a switcher strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, we had to be able to deliver it. Um, And I'll I'll throw it to you. When um, When I was at Renaissance Hotels we made an offer to guests that we could deliver fresh hot coffee with their wake-up call. That's before people were using their cell phone alarm, Mm -hmm. obviously dating myself. But even if you have a cell phone, I think people still ask for a wake-up call. But to have the wake-up call timed to, I answer the phone, it's 7.30 in the morning, thank you for calling me. You get up, you walk outside your door, and there is a fresh pot of coffee, just the way you want it with all of your condiments, et cetera, is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that's marketing and operations connected at the hip mm-hmm. because you meet the claim you'll have coffee at the very same time that you have your wake-up call and it's going to be hot and it's going to be perfect. So we had to make sure that we could deliver well, we had to make sure at Park Place that we could deliver the first time fix guarantee that we're fixing it first, the very first time. Mm-hmm. What if you got your wake up call, you went outside and your coffee was cold. That's useless. Right. You want hot coffee when you first wake up. Right. You want it not only to be hot, but you want it to taste good. Mm-hmm. So that was a real operational challenge. And that's why. Um, You know, in in my lifetime as a marketer, I have literally always been connected to operations very, very closely and also Mm -hmm. that we're connected at the hip, that if we say that we can do it, we must be able to deliver. Mm -hmm. And if you can't deliver on the promise, you've let your customers down. They won't trust.
0: That's so. You just gave me a really good idea for another podcast we could do together, which is talking about the the alignment and the the sync between marketing and operations. It, it's a it's a very good point. If you start making these claims, and then don't make good on them, you know, you you go from improving your brand awareness to ruining your brand perception pretty quickly, right? So, um, that's a a really good point. Okay. I know we're, we're running out of time. Um, two more questions for you, Jennifer. The, the first is, what would you say are the biggest um, lessons you've learned in marketing Park Place Technologies services?
1: So um, I think that the first thing that I, that I really synthesized and, and crystallized for me was really the value of customer service. And to be the best in the category and that you need to keep innovating because i have to tell you something we we run so fast and we run so hard to come up with innovative thoughts and ideas and our competitors um, sit back watch and then they emulate Um, i can tell you that you know we have the tools to see who is sitting on our website literally seven minutes after we launched the first time fix guarantee we had 15 people from our key competitors sitting on our website evaluating the claim. We, we, we see exactly sitting on our site. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know that they're, that they're going to spend the next six months probably coming up with something to uh, attack us on the first time fix. So we've got to be thinking ahead. But the customer experience is paramount. Uh, The other thing which is not only learning from Park Place, but it's a sign of the times really is the impact of video content. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reach of video content and quite frankly supporting it with a little bit of um, social goes a long way. The number of views, etc. So serving up your video content to the right people, um, hopefully at the right time, goes a long way. Uh, And here's something else about Two years ago, uh, I read an article that said that by 2025 marketing teams will be sitting besides AI right next to artificial intelligence. And I remember reading the article and sit- telling my team that we're ahead of the game because three years ago we adopted um, AI through our chatbot, um, who we named Parker, we personified him, we've turned him into uh, not only a character, but a trademarked visu- visual identity. And um, we are working beside AI. I can tell you that Parker has a revenue stream. He converts people online. So we are sitting beside AI. I consider Parker our drift bot, which is about $1,200 a month to be part of the team. Um, we are so pushing our DriftBot that we're on the advisory board for the organization that, you know, basically for Drift, Mm -hmm. because we're pushing it it so they can do more. So kind of just to summarize, I know it's a long-winded answer, the three biggest lessons, the value of customer service, the impact of video content, and quite frankly, boosting it. And then also the, you know, the impact of working alongside artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. And, and Parker is another brand activator,
1: right? Parker is another brand activator. I right? love that.
0: Good, good. All right. Um, last question, Jennifer, uh, for today um, is what are your, um, you know, as a marketer uh, and, and just as a leader, you know, um, what are your favorite resources for marketing knowledge, inspiration? You know, how do you kind of keep feeding your own, you um, you know, continual education and, and, you know, keep your, your innovative hat on.
1: So I'll break that into two parts. One is knowledge and the other is inspiration. So from a knowledge perspective, I read the Wall Street Journal and I read it because it comes as a business perspective that I spin in my brain into, you know, into marketing Right? How can I take this knowledge and what does it mean for me, my business, our brand, and our category? So I read the Wall Street Journal and I find it to, um, I think it's inspirational, but it's also stimulating. It really makes me think. The Do you read paper or online? I read paper. I have it okay. delivered to my house every day. I like it. Yeah. Um, and, and I also think that analyst relations is extremely important. I can't read everything, I can't know everything, but having a conversation with an analyst is extremely important. And I'll say there are some analysts who can break it down and speak to me as a marketer and vice versa. So um, we have a relationship with a fellow by the name of Roy Osley um, uh, who is from Omdia and he is the fifth most influential analyst in the tech space talking to him is like taking a rocket ship into the future, but he explains things so simplistically that I feel that I'm really ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. So the guy who reads all the technical papers talks to all the technologists and he synthesizes it and can serve it up to me in a way that makes it very easy to digest. And then that helps me to understand where we should be taking our roadmap, how we in marketing should be um, creating content, and um, how we should be talking to our customers. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: From an inspirational perspective, I get inspiration from my team. For the size of our business, uh, I have a fairly small team. I've got 11 people on my team, and I am the oldest on my team. And um, so we have people that range in age from, I'll say 23 to 58 on the team. And from the young talent um, and the diversity, I learned an awful lot. Um, you know, a 25 year old looks at social very differently than I look at social. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got a 25 year old who runs our social program and I've got a content guy who's uh, used to write for Rolling Stone. I also have a guy on my team who was uh, an agency veteran for 20 years, who was never in the tech space. And he writes copy for us beautifully. Mm -hmm. The team inspires me. Um, And again, I think that the diversity in age, interests, et cetera, uh, really helps us to be a very well-rounded team. The other thing that I do for my team, which I actually think is really helpful and beneficial is we have a, first of all, we meet every day. Um, And now during the pandemic it's cameras on mandatory. So everybody has to be in the daily meeting with the camera on. And once a week we do a deep dive into technology, into our own technology. So that, because if we don't understand the technology we can't write about it. We can't speak eloquently about it. We can't explain it. We can't develop um, pitches. We also work with HR. If HR can't have a recruiting script that clearly communicates, we're not gonna have the right people on our team. So again, another long-winded answer, but I'm inspired by my team and by folks within the organization. I think that's
0: really cool. Jennifer, thank you so much. Um, I really, really appreciate you um, coming in and sharing openly and giving such great examples and, and food for thought. Um, I would say to our listeners, you know, I approached uh, Nicola, who, who's been on the podcast before to connect me with Jennifer, um, because, you know, just through watching what you guys are doing on LinkedIn and, and the different messaging that you're creating, you um, you know, I was impressed. I think that, you know, you probably don't need any more companies coming in and sitting on your website looking for inspiration, but I would actually urge everyone that listens uh, to this to do just that, um, you know, follow Park Place on social and, and check out what they're doing because it, it really is, um, it really is good and it it's something that, that I think a lot of folks could learn from. So, um, good for you for, for setting the bar and and you know um, doing such a great job. And thank you very much for coming and sharing. I'd love to have you back sometime.
1: Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And if any of your listeners would like to have a conversation, I'm very open to it. I would love for you to check out our website. I would also love for you to be our customer and join our client advisory board. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Jennifer.
0: You can check out more of our content by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at The Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.